0: When I was at Glintz, it was pretty much a singular pursuit of just like, professional success. I was just all in over there. But I think, especially having had a family, especially investing more in my health over the years, uh, that's something that I have learned to realise. Like, yes, I realise that I might not be, you know, breaking through each and every ceiling, uh, even on the professional front, because of certain efforts, certain attention that I am investing in other areas, like, like my family, like my health. Um, and that's okay, right? And and I think that's something that, it's, I would say, an evolving definition of success and what kind of life I want to be in. Like in the past, it just used to be quite purely professional, but I think now seeing things more from a, uh, from a more holistic point of view.
1: Hi, I'm Amanda Kua, and this is One More Scoop. Here, we're sitting down with Southeast Asia's top founders, executives, and investors to have honest conversations about their personal journeys and find out what really happens behind the scenes. Today, I'm speaking with Tin En Loy. Tin En is a principal at Saizon Capital, where he leads pre-seed and seed investments in fintech and web3 startups. He was previously the co-founder and COO at Glintz, the leading talent ecosystem in Southeast Asia. In his personal time, he's also the creator and host of Parents in Tech, a podcast for parents in Southeast Asia. Hi, Tzu, nice to speak with you today.
0: Pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me on, Amanda.
1: So I think you're, you're pretty popular. I see you on Twitter. I see you on LinkedIn. I just see you everywhere. And I think everybody knows that you, you co-founded Glints. But one of the things I was really curious about was your childhood. What was your childhood like? Because I saw a few things like how you're doing research at a very young age. And I'm sure nobody wakes up very young and says like, okay, I want to start doing research reports at like, I don't know, 15, 13. So what, led you to that path? What was your childhood like that led you to even doing research
0: at such a young age? Yeah, well, I think that really boils down to my family background. Uh, Both my parents are actually in academia. So my dad's a university professor. Uh, My mom's actually a secondary school Mandarin teacher. Uh, So both of them always placed uh, a lot of importance on academics. Uh, Growing up, I was pretty much in a typical Asian family where the priorities was to get good grades, get into a good school and, and all of that. Um, and I think I did quite okay uh even though you know that i I didn't really know why I was doing it. I just knew that hey it's uh it's fun uh to 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 do well and and it feels good right So that really kind of just started my journey like a very probably typical Asian student. and I remember it was about 15, sixteen when I was uh in Singapore secondary three, secondary four when I started to dream about going uh, overseas to study. Uh Part of me felt like I had enough studying. Uh, part of me felt like yeah. uh, what I heard, at least based on the, the internet, based on a, just a handful of friends was, hey, going to US colleges is a lot more fun because you study a lot less. And I thought, hey, that's the kind of experience that I want. Um So I figured, okay, how do I then get myself to uh, a US college and also make it such that my parents wouldn't have to pay for me? So basically a scholarship uh, because going to college in the US, as one might expect, is very expensive. I grew up from a pretty middle-class background. So I just wanted to make sure that, hey, you know, it, it, it wouldn't um, impact my family finances. So as I started to read out more on US colleges and all, it started to become quite clear that, you know, what these colleges were looking out for was more than just grades, right? They were looking out for uh, yeah. something special, something extra. And I thought, okay, so I need to do that something extra. What What should I do? Uh, and it turned out that there was this research uh, opportunity that was just meant to be about three months long uh, that my school offered. Uh, I took the leap. I I did. I I took up the research opportunity, and to my surprise, our mentor was super super supportive. Um, she encouraged us to write the research paper and just submit it to a conference. I did that uh, together with my friend, and didn't think much of it until our paper got accepted in the conference, and then. We were like, oh, do you want to go? Uh rather, my research mentor was like, Oh, do you want to go to um Yokohama, Japan to present the paper? And I was like, Oh wow, what? Like you can wow. you can you can go? Uh, and then the school would support with all expense paid trip. And then I was like,
1: How old were you? Mind blown.
0: I was fifteen. I was 15 at that point, right? And so I yeah. was like, wow, full <laughs> expense paid trip to Japan. And like, yeah, my presentation was like 30 minutes, but I, went to go, I got to go for like four days. That's amazing, right? So sign me up. So, so I went down, I had a great time. I don't even remember what I talked about, but I came back, <laughs> I was hooked, not on the research, but on the writing of papers, the publishing, uh, and the presentations. So that really was like a three-year journey where I wrote 12 yeah. or 13 uh, research papers, published them, and had the chance to travel two, three times, all expenses paid, to uh, to present uh, the, the research that I had done, right? So, so that really was kind of like the yeah. short journey uh, when I was uh, doing research. Yeah, before before I went to college.
1: Did you have like any interest in like doing research before that? Like, did your parents ever say, "Oh, you should do some research papers from a young age"? Or was it really just you, like taking the initiative and like dissecting? Okay, I want to get a scholarship. What are the things I can do? Okay. Research is one of them. Let me try
0: that. Yep, yep. I think it was really just a matter of, uh, chance and serendipity. And I realized that that's actually a big theme in my life, right? Uh, when an opportunity or a person gives me an opportunity and it really just changes the trajectory of, of my life. In, in, in that particular case, um, it was just meant to be a two, three month kind of for fun thing that I wasn't very intentional behind, oh, this is my pathway towards college. But it just so happened that that research mentor really just gave me the opportunity, right, to, to write the paper, to publish it, to present. Uh, and that in turn, one thing led to another, and it kind of snowballed from there. So really, really just grateful for that. Uh, and I think looking back at over the past 10 years, life has been, a lot of the good things that happened to me, it's really because someone took a chance.
1: So it wasn't because your parents pushed you to it or because you told yourself, Oh, this is my path. It was more of like, oh, coincidentally this popped up. Let let me try it out. Okay, it worked. Let me do it again because I want to travel more, maybe. Exactly,
0: exactly. Bingo, bingo. So I was actually seriously considering doing like a research career, taking like a, a research scholarship and all. But then upon real reflection, I was like, okay, I actually enjoy writing papers, giving the talks, and Doing the marketing, so to speak, a lot more than doing the actual work yeah. of research. So probably taking a research scholarship might not be the best idea for me. So that was uh, kind yeah. of like the, the 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 conclusion of that journey.
1: Were you having a difficult time with like the research part? Like when it, when you would do it, would you com- like mentally be like, "Oh, I hate this," but then I want to travel, so let's let's continue doing this. Let's grit through it. <laughs> uh,
0: I think "hate" is a strong word. I just I just felt like I was chasing it was a means to an end right so yes Mm. i i don't think i hated it but i also don't think i particularly enjoyed it it was just like okay i just got to do this so that i can travel for free i can write papers i can get them published
1: and then how how did you get from there to the rest of your sort of your high school life yeah because you did the research part but then you also still had to sort of get to the rest of your plans which is i want to study overseas yes
0: yes so so i guess like. College was just studying, I mean high school, uh, we call it junior college over here, was just studying very hard. So uh, my life was just studying and um doing research. Uh and that collectively, I believe, was what helped me to get into into Stanford. Um, I was really, really happy to get in early, uh, because after that I was like, okay, yeah. I don't need to apply to any other schools, because that was my dream school. Yeah, you I just got it to one year And as college. Uh, that, yeah, that pretty much was 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 done. Yeah. The funny thing was that in my Stanford essays, I still I look through them once in a while. Um, it talks about how like, yeah. you know, research is my life calling. I want to do computer science, but none of that actually played out in the end. So, uh, life takes you in a very <laughs> different ways, but, uh, it's always good to sometimes look back at what I've wrote what, uh, more than 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When you're writing those, those, uh, essays, what did you think your future would look like? Did you think you would sort of end up in research? Did you think you would be in computer science? Or was it still all vague
0: to you? Um, in my mind, the only path was basically the scholarship path, right? Uh, it was a matter of, okay, which government body in Singapore would I take a scholarship from? But it seemed almost certain that I would be spending six years after my graduation in, 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 in a government organization, whether it was ASTAR, which is the research agency, or eventually I, I, I went with the economic development board. So yeah, like that was really my vision, which was, yeah, the government paying for my education.
1: Got it. Well, I remember when I was in high school, which was not too long ago, like two years ago, I was a high school senior. I was not as lucky as you. I didn't get an ED to the schools I wanted to try to get into. But at the time, I think I was pretty similar to you. Like all I knew was that I wanted to study overseas. To me, I didn't want to have fun. I wanted to challenge myself. That's what I told myself. (laughs) but experience a new new place. But I think it's pretty similar. I, I didn't know what exactly I would do. I hoped to be in finance. Then I guess for me, what happened was um, COVID hit. And then I sort of had to reevaluate all my plans. And then I ended up working at a startup. For you, you ended up graduating from high school. You already had a college, yeah. right? Unlike me, I hadn't decided. But I think you had a whole path, like sort of laid out, prepared ahead of you. And then... Suddenly, you, you jumped onto Glintz. Yep. How, how did that happen? Like, yep. I know you mentioned before that sort of Glints had already started and there was a bit more security there. So it was easy to just say, okay, uh, I won't go to Stanford first. I'll go to Glintz. But what was that decision really like? Was it still difficult at the time?
0: Okay, yeah. So uh, like I mentioned, my life is really a series of serendipitous encounters that uh, everyone would never expect. So the story is I completed my high school I had my Stanford offer in hand. I had my government scholarship offer in hand. I was pretty much set to get on that path of a four-year college education, uh, come back six years, work for the government. Uh, as it turns out, uh, all Singaporean males need to go through military service. So I did my two years of military service. But halfway through that, I was really, really bored. Right? That was the time when in army camps, you weren't allowed to bring in camera handphones. So the question I ask you today is, what phone do you know? What smartphone do you know today, does not have a camera, right? And so pretty much the only phones that I brought in were those Nokia block phones that one charge could last uh, two, three weeks at, at a time. There was really not much to do during during military service, right? So it, there was this level of frustration, this level of um yeah this uh, this sense that hey I'm I'm not making the best use of my time. Um, is there a better way for me to um, to make use of my time and what whatever little time I had left, so I remember very vividly, I went to Facebook. Uh, at the point, Facebook groups was still a thing. Went to an entrepreneurship or startup one, and then I posted to say, "Hey, you know, here I am. I only have weekends to work because I'm staying in uh, in, in in army camp. Yeah. But who 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 wants to hire me? I I am willing to work for nothing. Right? Like I'm just really there. I just want to use my brain. One startup reached out. The second one reached yeah. out, the third one reach out. And before I knew it, there were like four or five different startups that said, hey, you know, we want you, right? We want you to just come on board, help us out, do whatever you can. And then I was like, that's cool. But I only have two weekends, uh, like two days a week, right? Like, Which is the weekend. Uh, I do want to get some rest. I do want to hang out with friends. Uh, yeah. I, I just can't humanly do four to five internships. So I did. I picked one to intern at. And the other four to five, I kind of just found a couple yeah. of other friends who were either in, in 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 university or also serving military service and asked them, hey, do you want it? And that's really how Glenn's came about, right? We started as a startup internship matching, service matching website, two Google Sheets, one Google Sheet with the internship opportunities, primarily from the Facebook group where I got mine, and the other one was from people like me who wanted to have a better use of time. So that was just yeah. meant to be a side project. It wasn't meant to be much. It was meant to be sort of a for fun thing until... Uh, I went to college. Then someone got wind of this and made an introduction and said, "Hey, you got just got to meet my my boss." So on a Saturday, I uh, I I and uh, two of uh, my co-founders, also Ning Tong, we went down. We just met this person for the first time. We were just kind of talking about our this startup internship program, and then he turned to us and said, "Hey, do you want some money to turn this into a business?" Right, and at that point, I was like, "Wow." Right, like I've never had anyone like offer me money to make it into a business, and so of course, uh, at 18, 19 years old, all of us said yes, and we said we'll go back and we'll figure out a number. Uh, of course, we did some magic. There's absolutely no basis. A week later, we said we need fifty k, and the the angel investor said, "Sure, let's get good, let's get started." And then we we're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> then in that case, how do you incorporate a company? Like that was the level of you know. Uh, yeah, we were just that yeah. new, right? There was just so many things that we didn't know, but really, just that 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 one gentleman who took a chance on on myself on my co-founders really made all of this happen. And of course, the the story after that was we we started building this. We got into uh, an accelerator, and and yeah, then shortly after we dropped out of college. Happy to go into that story, but I think really the genesis of it was unexpected. Um, I think often, especially where glitz is today, people thought that oh, you know, from yeah. young we. We saw this vision of what what could be and we had its intent. It wasn't, right? It was a series of uh fortunate accidents that happened and it's a, a series of people who actually took a chance on us.
1: When you started, like when that guy offered you money, did you even nope. know what the concept none, of angel investing
0: was? Yeah. Not at all. We we had no idea how that works. Zero.
1: Right. I mean, we didn't
0: even know how to register a company, right? Like that 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 goes in a place like Singapore right? it's the easiest to register a company. Yeah. So there was just so many things that we learned so many mistakes that we made, but, you know, we've really had the, the support of advisors and mentors at every step of the way. Yeah.
1: For me, I feel like I'm constantly like amazed when I think about Glintz now, because it's still here, alive, surviving, thriving. But you look back, like how many years ago you guys started with like zero knowledge. And like for me, when I started, I was 19 with also like pretty much zero knowledge how to start a company. And then, like putting that into perspective, it's twenty it was twenty twenty one we have like digital incorporation, we have all of these like resources that sort of could help me, and it was already like hard for uh, me in a sense like I still felt like I was a blank slate. so when you were starting out and didn't know anything, especially in the ecosystem back then, like what was it
0: yeah it was twenty thirteen twenty fourteen yeah I would right? say that was really when like you, when the, you started that gen one of the startup ecosystem when when i would say many of the category defining companies actually the uh, as we know today, that was really when the, their the Genesis period was. I think at that point, the nascency of the ecosystem really worked to an advantage. Um, uh, because overall, there were not as many startups. There were not as many founders out there. I think ooh, there was a, there was a chance. There was a good chance and, uh, that we, we, we could make it that, uh, investors would back us, right? Honestly, to this day, I feel like, you know, that our investors really took a big leap of faith with us. I mean, on all accounts, if you just look at the the paper profile of three nineteen-year-old guys who were bound to go to school, like that just doesn't look like someone yeah. that you would back, right? But they did, uh, and and it was it was it was a bet that paid off for many of them. But you know, at that point, it was really a leap of faith, and I think it boiled down to these investors trusting us uh, right. as individuals that we will make the right decisions for the company. Uh, and i think that's something that I, I i am deeply grateful to them for
1: i mean like you guys were bound to go to the us like all of you are going to great schools yes. but like putting it back in focus you haven't even graduated right so it's like they can't even bet exactly on like exactly because exactly. you haven't gone to the school <laughs> <Yeah>. yet <laughs> When, when you were starting out and like building everything from scratch, how did it feel? Did you always feel like you're taking it step by step or did you constantly feel like, okay, another hurdle, then another hurdle. And it's like, why is everything getting so hard? Like, how did it feel when you were starting out and building everything? Because you were there from, I think, yeah,
0: it's zero
1: a employees yeah, up to yeah. like, I don't know, how many hundred? Yeah, I think Maybe about 50. 200 yeah, something.
0: globally. But I think, you know, really that, that whole challenge, every day pose a new challenge. And I think that that. Just, the, the biggest thing was really keeping up with the learning curve, right? At the end of the day, the moment you enter an industry and recruitment is a, is a highly, highly competitive industry, the customers, the users, they, they don't really care about your story or your age, right? Like all they care is whether or not the results get delivered, um, for, for, for yeah. the talent, whether they get a job and for the employer, whether yeah. they find someone. So, so there was, there's plenty of stories to tell where people just, Stuffed us, didn't bother about us. And, and we had to learn the hard way, right? Of how do you go about doing BD? How do you go about doing marketing? How do you go about building up a finance function, the proper controls? Uh, and a lot of them were really learning through the hard way, right? Through rejections, through mistakes made. That really was the, the formative experiences for us. But so, so I would say it was definitely tiring, but at the same time, it was deeply, deeply rewarding. right? And, and I think that's really no other experience that can parallel you being a founder and building something from zero to one. As I'm sure you yourself, Amanda, you can attest to, right? It's, uh, it's just so different because it's a hundred percent total ownership, right? There's, it makes yeah. or breaks and it's your responsibility. There's mm-hmm. no one else to, to kind of blame or, 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 yeah, um, take the fall.
1: I feel like. You know, being a young startup founder, there's sort of that glamour in the industry that you can be like the next Mark Zuckerberg or something like that. Like you're you're just like people have that sort of hype. But then my personal experience, I feel like what I did not expect was, you know, going straight from high school and then building something. You kind of skip like four years of your life where you're supposed to slowly grow up, slowly accumulate knowledge, slowly accumulate um, the network. And like sometimes I found myself like sort of getting culture shock because everyone i was dealing with was a lot older than me um a lot more experience and i was like half of me is like stuck in like cer- a certain like way of life like, my only frame of reference was my one job and like high school for you it was pretty yeah. much just high school and i guess national service so what kind of like culture shocks did you experience if any because of that i guess like yeah. age that you were starting I think the company with dealing with
0: the fact that you know by default everything would fail unless you make it happen. I think that was quite the culture shock, right? Uh, because I grew up in a system where there was a very clear path. The next step was always very clearly defined, right? It's always about a single exam or even when applying to college, there's always a clear defined goal and it's a goal that's often set yeah. by others, right? Or at least considered by others to be success. But when it came to building the company, you not just have to achieve a goal, you have to define the goal, right? And defining the right goals uh, is, is quite, quite quite the challenge. Plus, it's also very hard to get advice or feedback, right? When you're learning something that's structured, something that is factual, immediately someone can tell you, hey, this is right, this is wrong. Uh, whereas when you're building a company, exactly, um, you get advice from a lot of people, a lot of well-meaning people, as I'm sure you do as a But at the end of the day, you got to figure out, is this the right thing to do for the company? And you have to own that decision, right? And sometimes it's, it's hard because you don't know whether it's the right decision. You wish someone would tell you as it is, but it's just not possible. So I would say that's really one of kind of the challenges. Yeah.
1: Because, mm-hmm. because you don't have sort of the experience or sort of wisdom to back you up and tell you, okay, this might be the right thing, right? When you're trying to judge. Correct, like, the, the And, and, and,
0: and you, you know, the thing is that everyone gives advice from a very different point of view. Uh, so the interesting story to tell is when I was, so I, I, I built Clint's together with my co-founders for about a year. And then we decided to go to school while trying to build Clint's, just as an experiment. Um, very quickly, we realized that it wouldn't work out. Yeah. Uh, so both my co-founders, they, they, they decided to, to leave school, give yeah. up the scholarship and come back to build the company. Eventually I did that too, but I took three months more than them. Right. Right. Uh, and really those three months were, yeah. I would say one of the more difficult periods of my life when I was really struggling and trying to ask literally everyone for their advice. And as it turns out, everyone gives advice based on their life experiences, right? If I talk to people who were founders, people who have built yeah. successful companies, of course, they are like, you know, don't bother with a degree. Why do you need a degree? You already have a company. Come back and build a company. That's the obvious decision. Uh, but then I spoke yeah. with those who had the benefits of a pedigree, uh, of an of a fancy name, school. And and of course, right, This, I mean, They said like, you know, the, the the network, the, the pedigree and all from, from a place like Stanford. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's it's invaluable, right? And also financially, it makes a lot of sense to just take the scholarship, right? Otherwise it would have been very expensive. So yeah, it was, it was just difficult, right? Because at the end of the day, everyone gives well-meaning, well-intentioned advice, but it's really a function of what their background is. But ultimately kind of what really helped me once again from a mentor, uh, who, who was very direct and yeah, basically really helped me cut to the chase of the matter, is he asked me, right, what would you regret more not doing, right? And when I really quieted down and asked myself that, the answer was, if I didn't come back to try to build the company, like, I would regret that. I would ask myself, what if, what if, what if? Uh, and that was really what led me to make the very painful decision, painful especially for my parents, Uh, painful personally uh, also as a result of that, to, to leave school, to give up the scholarship and come back to build planes?
1: For me, I can sort of relate to that. So before mm-hmm. I started school, I'd been at my job for a bit over a year and I promised my parents I'd just take one gap year then I'd go. Uh, also, I had a scholarship yep. as well to to another university. And then I told them, uh, I'll take another year off, but even worse, I'm going to try to start my own company. So they were also not very happy with me. <laughs> but the funny thing is, was I asked myself the same question, would I regret, which one would I regret more, not going to university now or not building or trying to build BackScoop and see if it actually works. So I asked myself the same question and I told myself, look, I'd actually regret um, not building the company now. And then that's how I decided as well. But I think one of the biggest struggles I had was the initial few months where my parents were telling me, why can't you do it at the same time? Like, Go to school and build a company. I mean, other people do it. It's better risk wise, and I mean, obviously, people think that there's a lot more security if you get to, to yeah. you know, study and graduate with a degree. Then subsequently, the next few months after that were a bit tougher. Um, you know, managing the decision, like, okay, I didn't go to school, yeah. and parents are very well meaning, right? And sometimes it doesn't come across. But how did you deal with that yeah. sort of rift, um, if any, with your parents? And getting them from being not so happy that you gave it up to supporting you.
0: Honestly, it is What hard. is that process um, like? I think they were only <laughs> relieved uh, and somewhat vindicated when I went back. Uh, and that was also one of the key reasons why I went back to school eventually uh, after I left Glints. But it, it was hard, right? And, and, and I think the big struggle is because they don't understand what it's... I mean, they don't understand the world of business. To, to put it bluntly right? for them for both my parents in particular um, they are both in academia the, their whole lives so it's really a, a very foreign concept of even taking risk and and the one thing I learned from this experience is our parents want what's safest for us uh, but what's safest might not necessarily be the best right uh, and I think coming to, coming to terms that this was my life especially right. at the point just hitting adulthood I think that was something that Became clear that it was my life to lead. It was my decisions to make, uh, and ultimately, I had to. I have to live with myself every day, right? And so, to make sure that I make a decision that I do not regret, yeah. I think that really was kind of the top, the top priority. Did your
1: perspective on that change I think after it's becoming
0: very a parent? Different. As well, yes. But to answer your question, yes, it did change, right? So I, I think because of what I've been through, I've become a lot more conscious mm-hmm. of imposing my biases on children. Uh, on my children, uh, while they're still very young, I think I'm taking very conscious steps to, to make sure that they have the freedom to, to explore, uh, and not pack their schedule, for example, with, uh, with classes, which, uh, e- even though they are such a young age, I think there's some, right. some of their peers are already going through. For me, I think how this whole experience has shaped up my view on parenting, it's that I think the mission of parents is to unlock the potential of their children, uh, in whatever shape or form that might be, right? and i think perhaps the 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 traditional mindset is that there's a singular definition of what that potential should be uh, that's how you have the traditional oh you should be a doctor a lawyer engineer kind of a kind of thing but i think so so it yeah. once it comes from a well meaning place right but i think recognizing that each child uh, each individual has a very different purpose and a very different potential i think that's to me the challenge right so my goal is can i help my child figure out what is uh, her potential Uh, when when, when she grows up.
1: So I think like building a company when you're young, especially, you know, dropping out of school, you have that sort of personal struggle there, but you also have like the business struggle where you're slowly trying to figure out how do I build a business, especially at scale? You went from, I think, zero to 250,000 users. Yeah, that's the right number, um, I think. (laughs) How did you manage that? Because I think that involves a lot of stress, because you are constantly sort of like putting yourself in positions where okay, I don't know this, I don't know that. Everybody's demanding this of me, and everything is happening so fast. Like, what were like the most yeah. difficult moments, and how did no, you manage
0: I think that? Really, some of the most difficult moments I had it's in managing and letting people go. I think that honestly, it's 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 still hard when 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 I when I have to do it, but. Yeah, like remember the first or second time I had to do it, it was really painful, right? Because yeah. I think at the end of the day, uh, there's this belief that everyone—it's uh, like I said, everyone has different, uh, has 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 their potential. Uh, it's just in different areas. Uh, and sometimes when it's not the right fit, especially when the team is still small, there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of concern on how do you let someone go? Yeah. Because yeah, that person is just not the right fit, right? It's, this person is still a great person, uh, but just not the right fit. So having to sit down. And have that conversation yeah. was probably one of the most difficult moments because we had built strong relationships and strong bonds, right? Working at a startup was, was relentless. We went through so many challenges and, and all together, yeah. but sometimes it comes to a point where it's, it's no longer the right fit. And I think learning to, to let people go was, uh, I, I still don't like it. Uh, I don't think I will ever like it, but I think I definitely gotten uh, better at it. But I would say that's really one of the difficult things, right? And everyone that we hired at clients pretty much had more experience than us. I mean, when you start from zero, anything it's more, right? So, so it it, yeah. it it comes to a point where you're talking to someone who is more experienced, someone who is older, and telling them they're not the right fit. I think that in itself, it's um, yeah, was one, really one of the the biggest challenges. Personally,
1: I feel like that's one of the things I worry about. So. I'm starting to sort of go through the hiring process and I've had to also tell people who are very interested in working with me that, hey, I don't think you're the right fit. And I sort of feel like an imposter because what if to them, like they think, what do you know about the right fit? You don't even have anybody else with you. (laughs) So how did you sort of like deal with that? Did you have, did you always like consciously try to use a certain answer or I don't know. I just don't know how you deal with it. (laughs) I still am kind of clueless how you deal with people a bit older than you when you seem like the imposter who's younger. Yeah, it, it's hard, <laughs> but I think
0: it's really moments like this where I'm very grateful to have mentors and advisors all throughout my journey, even even till now. But with regards to letting people go, uh, the, the one the one golden principle that our mentor taught us, it's really, you know, make sure it's not a surprise, right? The worst thing that can happen when you let someone go, it's when they're entirely caught by surprise by it uh and, and that leaves a very unpleasant case in uh in not just in the person who's leaving but even in the rest of the team right because if the, the, then the team naturally will start to worry uh would i be next um so to do it in a way yeah exactly so to do it in a way where it's it's thoughtful it's respectful and and at the same time no one is surprised when the, the, the decision is made uh, i think that really takes effort uh but i think it's important and it's something that i always keep in mind right so it should be a situation where um it's not like today i sit you down and say oops uh you are not the right fit uh please pack up your bags and go right but it should be a a a, a gradual process where there are multiple opportunities to to either find the right fit for the person or or give uh give platforms to for for, for progress for improvement but short of which at least by then it should 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 be pretty 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 evident yeah
1: what was it like to manage people much older than you and work with them? Because I feel like you have very different challenges. If you're working with somebody who's like five to seven years ahead of you, maybe they're getting married, maybe they're, I don't know, trying to buy a car, buy a house, which are not your struggles and maybe they have different problems and hobbies. Yeah. How did you deal with that as a team? I mean,
0: I don't think there's any right answer to that, but the way I try to do it, really try to understand who my team members are outside of the workplace. right? I think that's something that I think it's important to me I feel like being able to understand this person's motivations, background, family over a period of time, I think that's really what, what I enjoy. Uh, and I, and I feel like that's also how you become a good leader, right? Um, it, it's very hard because, because a startup is unlike a typical job where uh, a typical job takes up maybe a third all of your life, right? But for startups, because you work pretty much two thirds, uh, of your life uh with the company with the team, I think it's important that uh you understand where they come from so even mm-hmm. when 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 I was at Glens, right um every every lunar new year yeah. I'll make sure to invite their yeah, uh, each team member's uh you know families their yeah, their their plus ones really to thank them right because it's not easy it's not easy to work in a startup uh, it's not easy to be the family or, or the loved one or someone who works in a startup right so I think really thinking about it from a broader, holistic kind of point of view, uh, it's something that it it means a lot to me.
1: Yeah, that's a a really interesting uh, perspective, like beyond just getting to know them as people, even getting to know and appreciating the people around them. I think that's probably the first time I've ever heard of something like that. So you would have like yearly events, maybe once or twice a year like that, where you would have... Maybe their kids Their partners, along, their parents,
0: whoever, right? Whoever they want to invite. But I think, uh and, and I made sure during those events to speak with, with as many of their families as possible because, you know, like I said, it's, you know, these people, they're not wow. leaving at 5, 6 p.m. every night, right? Like often we're leaving 8, 9, 10 p.m. Sometimes on weekends they're yeah. there. Like I think it's important or that worse. these families also understand what they're doing, the contributions their their loved one is making uh, and I think it, it, it's just beneficial for, for everyone, right? Like it helps, uh, them to be better understood, especially in Asian context, right? right where, where it's a bit hard to kind of tell your achievements to your parents or, or, you know, there's this, this sense of you want to be humble about it. I have seen more than once, right? Speaking to, to one of my team members' yeah. parents and uh, just sharing about some of the contributions, uh, she, she did. And the parents were very pleasantly surprised, right? And I think that's the kind of, that you, small things that you can do to to just make someone feel heard, feel understood.
1: Yeah, yeah because I think in an early startup, maybe your role is not the highest, but you actually contribute a lot more than you would at a bigger company. And maybe your family doesn't see that. All they see is how come you're working exactly, so long exactly. when you're just like this role.
0: <laughs> yeah. What are you even and, doing? You know, startups, <laughs> uh, in the early days, they, you don't pay well, right? So <laughs> yeah, like it's it's double whammy, right? Like so, what? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: It's like it's even worse. <laughs> did you have to do the same with your parents, like share with them your achievements. And like it was hard, and, this and was I a think real job probably a big around. part
0: of why I did that to my team's families was because <laughs> I I myself wish someone would do that for me. Right? It's it's hard to understand and explain what I do. Of course, I I do try, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it, it's it's really a situation where I wanted to. Uh, to help my parents to understand why this is why I left. Uh, And of course, as they understood uh, and they saw the business in it, they became more convinced over time. And so, yeah, I think it's really very much the journey that we all go on together, not just as a startup, but even the the extended kind of like ecosystem, extended family.
1: Right. Like as much as you want them to understand you without the context, it's very difficult because they see it from an entirely different perspective. (laughs) So you stayed with Glintz from yes. 2013 to, to 2017, and then you left shortly after. I think I saw in a previous interview that you did, you talked a bit about how you approach yeah. life from the perspective of exploring. It's not the same as sort of just like wandering because exploring has a direction. So when you left them, um, Glints, what direction did you have um, yeah. as you explored? So, so I knew that you? I
0: always wanted to get back into the startup ecosystem. But I also knew that because I was young, uh, I had this, so let's say, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do something different, to almost have a reset, uh, and I guess to some people yeah. take a step back, right? Because I feel like building a startup has uh, has been really exciting, but it's also really tiring and really kind of consuming. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's why I I decided, okay, I would go back to school to finish what I started, A big part of the decision, honestly, was for my parents. Uh, they still, like, despite them coming to terms and accepting what I did at Glint's, they still really wanted me to get that degree. Uh, and I was like, okay, fine, fine, fine. (laughs) I'll do it. Uh,
1: I mean, it makes the decision so hard. You know, it's a big part of it was also (laughs) a
0: struggle because, I mean, on, I have built a business already, like, why do I need to go back and get a piece of paper, right? Like that, seems like the, 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 and, and, and yeah. not just get the piece of paper, but also like spend a, a significant sum of money and time, uh, to, to, for to years, get that piece of maybe. paper. But really, it was, it was, it was just so that, you know, I know that that was part of their dream. Uh, and so, yeah, why just do it for them? And, and, and so I did. So I went back to Stanford, uh, you know, worked very hard to optimize everything. Once again, I went back literally at the right time. So all my courses and everything was perfectly kind of lined yeah. up in schedule. So all in all, I, I, I spent, uh, two calendar years at Stanford and, and got my degree, right? So that was, uh, that was, yeah, that was once again another serendipitous thing that happened. That was, I, I am very grateful for. I don't think it's because I'm particularly smart or whatever. It just happened that the courses just happened to line up such that I could take, uh, the right order. Exactly. Everything in two years. Everything so, in so, two years. So at at school, I had plenty of time to reflect. So that was one of the, the unexpected benefits. And the big um, reflection mm-hmm. was this um, this reset point that I had, right? I knew I wanted to be in a startup ecosystem, but I also felt that sometimes it can be a bit of an echo chamber. Uh, and it's important to get a bit of an external perspective. Mm-hmm. So that was actually why I decided to join BCG and do it in Southeast Asia because I knew that this is where my heart is. This is where I see myself building my next company, right? So, so whether I didn't even bother to look for anything in the, in the, in the U.S., came right back to, to Southeast Asia, uh, spent a good time learning, um, from BCG, very different kind of structure, very different kind of environment. Uh, but I would say you learn a very different set of skills. And, uh, before crossing over, being the first Southeast Asia, um, full-time person to cross over from BCG to BCG Digital Ventures and then finally landing where I'm at now at Cezanne Capital. Yeah.
1: What was it like to go back to university a bit older than your kids? I did feel a difference, feel I would difference? say,
0: but I definitely didn't enjoy the classes, right? Because it's like, especially on classes where it teaches you business, it teaches marketing, you just sit down there and like, yeah, none not that works, right? Like, like, like you, you go out there and you try, try this, like, I can guarantee you it wouldn't work. So I think it really gives a kind of perspective that uh, that I found to be very valuable. It also helped me to understand what is really important and what's less important because of having having that that, that real world experience out there.
1: Did you see yourself like approaching university in a different way <laughs> that your peers did? Yeah, yeah. Because you have a different perspective. So were you like listening into more classes, skipping the others or approaching certain people more than the others, like certain professors yeah. were more aligned with your goals? Like, what did it look like so to approach basically university from that perspective?
0: To be uh, instead, I spent a lot more time hanging out with people, both in school and also outside of school, uh, by going to a whole bunch of events and, and, and building friendships, right? Uh, because if anything, I learned from the past four years, it's and I know this sounds so cliche, but inside every cliche there's a grain of truth, right? It's really who you know, not what you know. And I think the learning yeah. that happens from these conversations, um, it's it's so so much more valuable. So almost every weekend, uh, I would I would head out of campus, be somewhere like a, a, a around the Bay Area at San Francisco, either at events, either either just just hanging out with friends, uh, because I feel like it's those friendships and those relationships, even till to today that I carry, right? I carry none of the knowledge that I learned from classes, and I think that was something that was very clear, right? So I I didn't bother about what grades I would get. Like my goal was just to graduate and graduate fast. Whatever that happens, it's just uh, uh yeah, just like I'll just let it happen. Uh, but really, just spending more time meeting people, talking to people, learning their perspectives, that was that was super helpful. Uh, the benefit of having built Glints was that people were also a lot more. Um, open to, to speak with me. Um, so I have plenty of meetings with the folks at Sequoia, Klein and Perkins, and all of that. Like, we we'll just hang out uh, at the offices, uh, and, 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 and have good conversation.
1: So you said in your childhood you wanted to go to the US test. I did. Of have I did. I definitely. Did. Sounds <laughs> like you kind of did that, right? <laughs> so you sort of achieved that childhood dream. What was the most like fun experience you had while you were, you were in university then? Wow. Either from these meetings or it could be. So something Stanford completely is a very really
0: wild place. <laughs> the behind, behind uh, the, the rankings, <laughs> behind the prestige <laughs> and the allure of it. So, so, so it's, it's a very liberal place. <laughs> um, so, a- every year, and I happen to be there for like literally all, all the time it happened, um, there's this event called uh, Full Moon on the Quad, right? And the biggest irony is it is held in front of the school's church. Where basically it's a night of, uh, partying, uh, and at, the, when the clock strikes, uh, midnight, basically there is a sizable group of people that start to kiss each other, right? Uh, basically it's like a group kissing event. Yes. Uh, I know. In front of a church at a place like Stanford. Yeah, it is a thing. It is a, I can't believe that's a thing. thing. Um, so <laughs> it's quite entertaining to, 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 to watch. Uh, of course I didn't participate because I was already, uh, almost engaged at a point <laughs> but it's just fascinating to right? see like these are your friends your classmates who in the day are just like some of the smartest people <laughs> and then at night it's a very different uh different and very wild yes exactly there are different people they're
1: like different the people school
0: is, i mean it's just so interesting right? <laughs> it's stuff that once again wouldn't happen in asian society so 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 another thing it's like they have this thing called cardinal yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, right? You probably like, get kicked know, out of the and, like, <laughs> would, 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 would flip This is also another event that's really hilarious. Um, so there's this thing called Cardinal Nights, which happens on Friday evening. Uh, basically it's the school's way of encouraging you not to drink, right? So of course, on Friday night, if you want to drink, that's your prerogative. Uh, but they would have this series of events that they organize that are alcohol free events. Um, some of these events are really fun. Um, they are like stuff, stuff a teddy uh-huh. bear, build your teddy bear workshop, which was plenty of yeah. fun. But I remember there was also this one workshop that was, uh, basically yeah. teaching you rope tying for BDSM. Uh, like, like, there was, it was, it was probably, it was like everyone was clothed. There was no inappropriateness, but like it was very funny because they would give you red rope and they literally hired a trainer to teach you how to tie the different knots. And I was like, okay. Once again, only at Stanford. <laughs> so I would say it's really this kind of thing. A hundred percent, right? I think that would and, only and, and happen would in, in the US. <laughs> America, right? like, definitely not in most places. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's a school-section event. I think that's the emphasis. Right? I think. It's a school-section event.
1: <laughs> yeah. like Every professor knows it happens. So strange compared to what happens here. I think if you had an event Movement. here, it's more of like... Something more like yeah, a yeah. Sunday fun, right, fun fair, right, right. you know. You throw balloons or yeah. something, <laughs> or throw darts. So you were engaged at the time, uh, like when you were in, in Stanford. In at what point did you uh, get engaged? So 20 like 20,
0: So uh, my my now wife, uh, we, we 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 did long distance for a while, uh, but I think even before um, even before that, we were we were quite sure that um, we were we were committed to each other. So when she came over to visit me in 2018, I proposed to her. And we were engaged for very long, right? Because I had to finish my, <laughs> I had to finish my college. But we were, we were fine with that. It was all planned. Um, and then we got married January 2020. Uh, very thankfully, once again, two weeks before COVID struck Singapore at the very same hotel, um, was case number two, right? So, like, the timing couldn't have been more, more perfect. Yeah.
1: I think it's a theme in your no, life, like I, luck I, I, and so, timing. So this,
0: this, this, this is unsolicited, but I genuinely feel like that's a big part of life and, and success in inverted commerce. I feel like a lot of times uh, there's this narrative fallacy, right? When people ask you, oh, how did you do this? How did you do that? Um, there's also this tendency to, to claim credit for it, right? Uh, to claim that you have the skills, the knowledge, the capabilities, the competency. And I think to a certain extent, that is true, right? You need those things. But I think to a bigger extent, it's really um, you being at the right place, the right time with the right people um, to just open all these doors. And I think that has made me also a lot more grateful because I realized that uh, basically I've been blessed, I've been lucky. And there are many people out there who are less fortunate. They're probably smarter, probably working harder than I am. But just because they are not at the right place, right time, meeting the right people, yeah, perhaps, perhaps these opportunities might not be available to them. Uh, so I think that's really a big theme, a big mission, which is how can I, um, because I've been a beneficiary of these, how do I pay it forward in in, in in whatever small way possible, right? Even in my current role, I spend a lot of time helping some of our portfolio companies to hire, because that's <laughs> that's that's in my blood, right, since i built built Glintz. And to me, I still very much enjoy talking to individuals yeah. to understand um, their life journey, their story. What makes them tick? What makes them? Um, what makes them motivated? What makes them excited? Because you never know, right? Maybe you being able to connect them to a company to an opportunity might just be that uh, that breakthrough, that right place, right time, right person. So yeah, I mean, that's just a reflection I I have had.
1: Would you say that luck is sort of a mix of circumstance and maybe effort, 100%, 100%. Like increasing the surface think, area of your luck and timing? You basically
0: need to work hard to be prepared, uh, to, to, to take the opportunity when it comes. Uh, but yeah, I think a big part of what happens to us is, is, uh, is actually beyond our control. And maybe if there's just one more story I can share, uh, I just right. came back from Ho Chi Minh, uh, literally about four days ago. I landed about, uh, 11 plus at midnight to get a few friends. I was just walking on along one of the most crowded streets. Uh, uh, in, 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 it's like a pub and bar street. And then I walked past this that is deeply edged in my memory. I saw this. Uh, two two siblings. Um, The elder girl was probably around my uh, my elder daughter age, which is about slightly more than two years old. Uh, and she also had a younger brother in her arms, which was slightly older than my second one, probably six, seven months old. And there they were, like, sitting in the middle of the street, like trying to sell something at midnight right and and that that image struck me probably because i also have two kids that were exactly like that but what struck me deeply was literally like that could have been my life right like just born in a family where it was perhaps yeah that those were the circumstances that's that's all we know as life as it is yeah and and, and i think that really was quite a sobering reminder for 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 me right that to, to remain humble and to remain aware that, hey, you know, a lot of what I have today, it's really because uh, I've been blessed, I've been fortunate. Uh, it's really not, I mean, of course, there's the like the hard work, there's the skill, there's the competency and all, but that really, yeah, it's, uh, one one cannot remember how blessed we are, right? To be able to even sit here and have this conversation was a big part because we were born in at least a, 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 a right. certain kind of family environment.
1: Right, because you have a certain starting point, right? Like I think there's a lot of debate about how now you can yeah. sort of get any job you want because of the internet, that's but at exactly the same it. time, like it also depends on where you're starting from, also. And I feel like that that's what makes it also very difficult for people. And I guess I like, just to share. So before I I mm. started Backscope, I used to work at like a coding bootcamp, and it was what I found super interesting was that. There are people who would join the bootcamp from totally different careers. They're barely making much every month to cover their expenses. And then you put them through the course, especially when they grit through it. Sometimes they do need a little bit of help and pushing, they get through it. But it seems like none of them could have ever believed that, you know, this could have ever been possible. And I slowly realized that these people always, like there's a ceiling above them, but they don't see it, right? And then I feel like, even for us, it made me think, like, what are the, the sort of ceilings that we feel like are limiting us? Did you ever feel I like that in, in your for journey? For
0: me, recognizing self um, I, I think I'm in a place where really any ceiling that I have it's probably self-imposed. Uh, and with given enough determination and given enough priority um, assigned to it, I think there really is no limit. Uh, But I think also going through this journey, AI has also taught me the importance of uh, balance between work, balance um, between family, balance between life, health, and all of that. Uh, When I was at Glynn's, it was pretty much a singular pursuit of just like professional success, right? Uh, It was just all in over there. But I think especially having had a family, especially investing more in my health over the years, uh, that's something that I have learned to realize. Like, yes, I realized that I might not be you know, breaking through each and every ceiling, uh, even on the professional front uh, because of certain efforts, certain attention that I am investing in other areas, like, like, like my family, like my health. Um, and that's okay. Right. And, and I think that's something that it's, I would say an evolving definition of success and what kind of life I want to live. Right. In the past, it just used to be quite purely professional, but I think now seeing things more from a, uh, from a more holistic point of view.
1: Was it difficult it sort is. of to come to terms with that side? Because I feel like, you know, there there are lots of people who say, you've achieved so much in your life. Maybe like you, you built a startup at a very young age. You're like one of the first OG people in the ecosystem. And then you end up going to Stanford. Like, I think a lot of people in the past that I've listened to who maybe have a similar experience of achieving a lot of things at a young age. They feel like they're treated sort of as like, sort of uh, like, in a sense that people say, why don't you go achieve more? Why don't you do more? Because you have all of the cards that are playing out for you. Did you ever have sort of that experience where people are sort of telling you, oh, shouldn't you do more? Because you you already did X, Y, Z.
0: Other people, it's it's myself. There's definitely that internal battle that that I, uh, mm-hmm. I still deal with today. Uh, it's definitely uh, I've I've definitely learned how to cope and manage it better, but it is still a very real battle, right? There's always this sense that there's more that I can do professionally, more that I can. I can push more than I can achieve. Uh but then it's like, okay, for example, in the evenings I want to put the daughters to sleep, right? On the weekends I want to make sure that uh, I, I I spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And I would say, right, there's more than once, in fact more than a few times, and I just feel like, oh, maybe I should just use the time to do something else, right? Like on the on the work front and, and push a little more. But I think it's really that mm-hmm. that, that struggle. Uh if the struggle is real. I personally don't think it will go away because I feel like There's the ambition inside me that feels like there's a lot that I haven't done yet. There's a lot more that I need to do. But yeah, I would say it's an ongoing challenge.
1: Do you feel like it's a question of like, what do I really want to do versus what does maybe society? I think it's a lot. What do I uh, think I should do?
0: Uh, then what others think, right? I feel like that's probably, Mm. (laughs) I'm probably my own, my, my own biggest enemy. Um, it's just sense that it's never enough, right? Which, on one hand, it's good because I think it gives me the hunger and the motivation and drive to, to, to do what I do. But at the same time, it also is, it makes me feel like every time I, uh, a lot of times rather, I am not uh, at work. I do definitely feel a sense of guilt, right? There's a sense that I'm not there yet. So, so I, I really should be pushing harder on exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I should be working harder. Did you always feel like that? Like since you were younger, since you're working on Glint, or is it something that sort of manifested more after, uh, like in the past few years?
0: I think it's it definitely manifested more in the past 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 few years. Um, I think really, as, yeah, I I think as I realized that there's a lot more opportunities out there, there's a lot more mm-hmm. problems to solve, there's a lot more uh things to accomplish. I think that sense of like, okay, you know, time time is ticking. I'm no longer the 20 year old who started Glints. Uh, yeah, it's been quite a while. So, so this sense that hey, you know, that's it's, it's a bit of a race against time. Uh, also, because mm. it takes time to build anything worthwhile, right? as I'm sure you can attest to your experience. It's not like things great things are not built over weeks or months. It's built across years or even decades. So, like, like how do I get a clock started? Almost.
1: Do you feel like there's a pressure to sort of be a founder again, um, or do but you? From another perspective. That?
0: The people mm. always ask me that. Uh, to me, it's a matter of when, not if, right? Uh, uh But a big part of that is also ma- making sure that my kids are perhaps at least uh, one, two years old. Uh, my my second one, right? Uh, because I feel like the first year it's really the toughest. Uh, so I I've, I've been through two years of the journey with my elder daughter. I feel like after the first year, like life is a lot better because she sleeps through the night. Uh, she becomes uh a a functional human being. Uh and of course there are different sets of challenges, right? But I think just in terms of bandwidth, in terms of um, supporting uh, and being present at home, uh, I think my priority right now is, it's 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 is with them. Um so it's a it's a it's a question of when, not if. Yeah.
1: It's a question of when not if. Yeah. And like in terms of like the space that you wanna be in, like having built a company before, is your approach different? Are you sort of like Telling yourself, okay, I'm going to wait for the right idea, or do you have like an like a certain space in mind? Especially having been in the ecosystem this long,
0: yeah. So to be honest, uh, that's that's the unfair advantage I get in my job. Uh, I get to see a lot. I get to see things from a high level point of view. So I think that's uh, that's intentional. That's by design. <laughs> uh, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> part- I don't. I don't. I don't have a particular area yet. Uh, but that was also precisely the reason why I uh, I am in a VC right to to really understand yeah. um, what's uh, what's the landscape like to understand to speak with founders um, to to sort of get back in the game as close as I can. So uh, the one thing I enjoy about really once again early stage VC where most of my investments are pre seed and seed, uh, is really just being able to hustle along together with the founders. Right? Yes, granted, it's not the same. Uh, it, it will never be the same. But I think there's that sense, that's that slight, uh, sample, slight teaser that, that, that I get, right? It's as close uh, last... as you can
1: get with a wide scope, would you say?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, 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 and I'm fortunate to be in a firm that gives me broad latitude, uh, to figure out what's best to support, uh, the, the, the our portfolio companies. So, for example, last week, right? I really wanted to get back into, um, meeting mm-hmm. people in Jakarta and Ho Chi Minh. Um, so actually yeah. uh, co-organize uh, a whole bunch of events, um, together with some of our portfolio companies. Right, So it, it felt great again to sort of be on the ground, to be, to be, to be hustling, to be meeting people. Um, and yeah, I think, I think this is kind of like the place for me at, at this point.
1: I think you're right. Like thinking about it now. Getting to be an early stage VC, you get to see what ideas are working and what don't work, what gets funded, what doesn't. You have a lot of insider information that even I don't get, and I I deliver news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> different, different. But yeah, I think it's really that the high level, broad macro perspective that I it's it's what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah. And everyone wants to talk to a VC. Like I'm sure if you connect with anyone, they'll be like, okay, VC, accept. It helps.
0: It helps. It helps. Right. <laughs> it helps. Yeah.
1: And I guess like I'm curious as well, like, how did you like approach coming back? Um, did you want to work in a specific type of firm? Because I think uh your current firm is a bit focused on fintech and web3 a bit more than others, right? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Or were you just thinking like I just want to get into VC and then I'll see from there?
0: So honestly, I wasn't even actively looking to get into VC. Uh oh, it was okay. just really this opportunity that came up. And to me, the because because I don't really have a sector uh, focus, especially when I first joined, like there wasn't a particular thing I was most interested in. Uh, it, to me, it was really the opportunity to work with uh, founders at the pre-seed and seed stage. That was what I was looking for. Right? Uh, and I Got figured it. that as a VC, your job is to learn industries, learn areas quickly. Uh, once again, of course, not as deep as founders. It, it will never be. Uh, but I think just being able to be alongside them to figure out how do you take things from zero to one? I think that really is. To me, that's the magical experience, right? Because uh, I I feel like I get to relive it over and over again. You, as a founder, you, hopefully you do it once and you do it well from zero to one and then you go from one to yeah. one, right? But then as a VC, because you're going from zero to one uh, and that's the the the, the 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 stages that I enjoy the most, I could almost do it repeatedly uh, as as we invest in more and more companies. Do you feel like
1: this, you sort of get to see Sort of relive the founder
0: life in a small way. Definitely a preview of it. But, you know, I, I think being true a founder also gives the empathy that, you know, these guys, like as a founder, you work way harder than me as a VC. And I think because of that, the amount of respect I have for each and every like founder, regardless of whether they're in my portfolio, um, yourself included, I think it's, it's, it's just <laughs> up there, right? Uh, at the end of the day, there was this really good quote I saw from, uh the the Pixar movie we, right i yeah. I can't remember the full quote of it, but essentially it goes to say that the life it's easy to be a critic right it's easy to to give feedback it's easy to criticize it's easy to point out why something's not good but it it the one with the real courage is those that put themselves out there to be criticized right and I think that's very right. much the spirit of of founders out there right You put yourself out there every day for your users your customers your investors and and I think they are the ones um, who should be celebrated, and and it is our job as investors to support them on this journey as much as possible, uh, but also in a non intrusive way.
1: What's a struggle of like a VC? So you've been on the other side of the table, you've seen this the struggles of a founder. What's a secret yep. struggle of a VC world?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fearing that you missed out on the next big thing, I think that's what it is. Right, like at the end of the day. The goal is to attain hundred percent uh coverage, hundred percent awareness. Yeah. Almost like I would say the 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 the, the informal way of saying it is that if something gets announced on BackScoop, something gets announced on TechCrunch, <laughs> Branch, something gets announced on uh, Tech in Asia. like have I seen that company? And if I haven't, then yeah, then I do you I beat need yourself to up. I need, <laughs> no, I, I don't beat myself up, but it's, I do <laughs> I do need to reflect on it, right? Because it's it's, just, it's like I sh- ideally, especially as a pre seed and seed investor, I should be meeting founders before it gets on back school, <laughs> before it gets on yeah. tech crunch, right? So I think that's really kind of um, the, the 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 big challenge. And I guess like uh, to close
1: everything. I have one last question that I'm asking everybody for this entire series, which is outside of work, um, in your personal life, what's one thing that you want to accomplish? Whether that's something you want to accomplish by the end of the month, the end of the year, or just sometime in the future, what's one thing, just one, in your personal life that you you want to accomplish?
0: I want to go to my kid's school and read to her class a Storybook. Look, I know that sounds, (laughs) uh, I I know that sounds really like uh, trivial, but I, I really want, uh, I really strive towards equal parenting. Uh, Unfortunately, it's still not equal now. My wife still pulls more of the weight, but I think I really want to be a present uh, parent in in, in both my children's uh, growing up years, right? Uh, And I think being present is not just doing, uh, Routine of like, bearing them to school at all. Like, of course, that's, that's important. Uh, but like, really involved in, 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 in their lives, right? And, and so there's this picture in my mind, which I have not shared with anyone other than my wife, but it's like, yeah, wouldn't it just be nice to like, go down to a school and like, offer to, to the teachers to like, read a storybook to the, to the, to the class and do, do that ideally on a, on a frequent basis. I think that's a small thing, but I think that's, uh, yeah, something that I hope hope to do. Yeah.
1: How long until they start school? Like three Next year. Next years? year. Yeah. Oh so next, next year. year uh,
0: next year they start, yeah, I like kindergarten at all. So
1: Oh kindergarten. Yeah. The
0: opportunity yeah. might start sooner than later but come sooner than later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, like sort of have challenges now, like with being involved in their life since they're at home as well? Or do you feel like it's more of a future challenge?
0: I think the hard part is I think it's the challenge is here. And I think the biggest challenge is, as I said, the desire to do more in my career, spend more time at work, um, versus being present for them. And even like sometimes when I'm with them, I do confess, right? I do yeah. on my phone. I got to catch up on like social media and all. So I think that's, yeah, that is the challenge.
1: And that's something I'm,
0: I'm still actively working on. Well,
1: thank you so much for sharing, Tunin. And thank
0: you so much for joining me today. No problem. Thanks so much, Amanda.
1: It was really great hearing from you. I was surprised by a lot of things and I never got to speak with you before. So it's really nice to get to know you here.
0: Likewise.